a little differently from how a concussion, most people look at the site of the impact. I actually look at what else gets hit during the impact, 360 degree look hmm. on actually what's actually happening. Hey, welcome back to the Athletes Podcast. This is episode 195 featuring Sean Michael Lattimore. Sean is the director and CEO of Dynamic Health Therapy, a manual osteopathic practitioner. Man, I was fortunate enough to meet at the CMC conference this past weekend in Toronto, and I was fortunate enough to get some work done. For folks who don't know, he's a sport SMT at Dynamic Health Therapy Incorporated, and his business and life goal is very simple, to deliver exceptional care and results to their fabulous clients whilst at the same time teaching and mentoring others, specifically therapists to become outstanding professionals and future health and business owners. He has over 9,000 clients. His goal is to get to 15,000 clients. He has an incredible schedule where he's able to see multiple clients per day, up to something crazy like 20, 25. Every 20 minutes he's in and out, he's able to do this efficiently and effectively. He's remaking the manual therapy world. And frankly, I'm very grateful to have been able to meet, connect with, and chat with Sean Michael. And I'm grateful for you folks to have the opportunity to listen to our quick conversation that we had at the CMC conference. Big shout out goes to One Concept Massage Group for bringing us out. It was actually timely. We were at the Heads Up Can conference this past weekend as well for concussion research. This week, getting therapy done from Sean Michael from previous concussions that I had suffered. It's incredible. If you have or need work done ever, Head over to his facility in Keswick or his website to learn more about what you can do to improve and live a better, healthier life. And we can't wait for you folks to listen to the 195th episode of the Athletes Podcast today. Here we go. Sean Michael Lattimore, thank you for coming on the Athletes Podcast. Really excited to have you uh, share a bit of your knowledge, wisdom, experience, because you've got 20 plus years now, you said? Yeah, I'll tell you with 20 years of working and trading as a registered massage therapist and manual osteopathic practitioner. And over 9,000 clients to date, working yeah. specifically osteopath. I know you're doing concussion work as well. I yeah. uh, would love to maybe just allow you, give you the space to give people your background, yeah. the work that you've done, and uh, then I'll really interject with some questions as we go along. That sounds great. So I work as a registered massage therapist and many osteopathic practitioner. I own a multidisciplinary clinic up in Keswick, Ontario, which is just north of Newmarket, about an hour north of there. Um, I work a lot with uh, Olympic athletes, professional athletes, uh, doing different treatments depending on what they're looking for, anything from enhancing performance to working with head injuries or neck traumas. Um, so I see a lot of different concussions because of the high performance athletes. I also work a lot with the general public. I, I work a lot with pediatrics and infants as well too. And I work a lot with women's health as well too. So I got a wide variety of it. I look after almost, we're just about at 10,000 patients that I'm currently looking after by myself for doing it over for 20 years. Uh, all the work I do is word of mouth or just basically the work speaks for itself. As you know, last night we saw, we worked on Phoenix mm -hmm. last night. Um, that was a great thing that uh, me and my two friends, uh, Carrie D'Ambrosio and James Walski, we'd planned that for about a year doing this whole mastermind, one person working, or three people working on one person, just to kind of see the different results that each person can get, but it's the same perspective, same value that each of us are getting. Mm -hmm. um, and it pays out a lot. I usually do a lot more of the visceral work and craniosacral therapy. 
um, which is great for getting any of those head traumas. Um, the one things I look at is a little differently from how a concussion, most people look at the site of the impact. I actually look at what else gets hit during the impact. So if they get the, the, the impact on the forehead and then gets on the back of the head, which then the brain is bouncing backwards with wherever the impact is. So it's actually a 360 degree look hmm. on actually what's actually happening. And a lot of people just look at where it actually hit, but also too, how the neck move. The neck went backwards too, so the neck is injured and that pulls on the diaphragms within the body as well too. So we have to actually treat the respiratory system as well. Mm -hmm. That actually pulls on the visceral system, which uh, causes increase in vagal tone, which causes more injury along the spine. So I look at each cranial nerve and how each cranial nerve is actually affected. Mm -hmm. And I come pulls that all together where a lot of people just treat the neck pain and just treat the headaches, but you have to look at what else is affected as a whole body. Right. And uh, this stemmed from you having nine concussions yourself? Yeah. So I had, um, my very first concussion was probably when I was in grade nine. So I was only about 14, 15 years old. I got a knee to the forehead. So back then I completely backed out for five minutes, but all they did is they smelling salts and then water in the face, slap, slap, get back into it. Um, so what sport were you playing? Soccer? Uh, soccer. Okay. Yeah. So I played high end, uh, soccer. And what I found is I went post-concussive systems for 17 years without being diagnosed. I thought, okay, light headaches are from light sensitivity is normal. The, basically the forgetfulness, the fatigue, the uh, problems with the dizziness. If I focused on something too much, sometimes I would get nausea or start throwing up if I had overdone it. But I thought that was normal until I started actually going through and actually getting work on. And the problem with the concussion, all the MRIs I did show nothing. CAT scans show nothing, but on physical testing, it did show something mm. happening in that area. And so I'm just trying to wrap my head around how you suffer nine and then you're able to come back and still be impacting, you know, 9,000 plus individuals yeah. now. Yeah. It's obvious just from an intrinsic motivation now that you, what you learned absorbed over the years. Yeah. Now applying it. So a lot of it is I saw a lot of different specialists for my concussions over those 17 years. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, if I do a little bit of this. How does that affect me? I started feeling better. Mm. And then, okay. And then I would get to the point where I maxed down on that and it didn't work anymore. So, okay, what else can I add? So then I went to go see a cranial sacral therapist. They did something. Mm -hmm. Saw a scalp acupuncturist. They did something. Saw a physio that specialized in concussion work. Okay. That helped a little bit of the strengthening work, but it wasn't getting it all there. And then I went and saw one of the top physicians for concussion work. Okay. They taught me some balance exercise and visual exercise. That helped a little bit more. So I kept adding more and more to it. And then I'm like, why isn't anybody combining this all together? Because right. it's just like you're having to see eight or nine different people. But if you bring it all together, what can it do? So I just looked at, okay, okay, one person worked on the energy levels. Another person worked on the visceral. Another person did the, the neck and the head. So if I put that all together and create some sort of protocol to help people mm. just that are suffering from myself. How does that look? Right. So then I started to create this program I have now that I'm trying to teach across Canada right now. And in the States, I've gone to the UK. I've also gone to Australia a bit to teach it out there as well, too. Uh, during COVID, it was great because I could teach it on Zoom and anybody could come on mm -hmm. Zoom to teach, take those lessons still. So I was trying to get it out as to as many people as possible right now. That multidisciplinary approach is unique. And it's something that we talked about here at the Canadian Massage Conference that 
Scott Darnell and many others put on here this weekend. It's an incredible event. Second time I've been able to be a part of it here. But one of the things that I've noticed, you in particular, is like you mentioned, everyone is doing something similar, but with their own twist on it. Yeah. If you were to explain how you, how your work differs from everyone else, yeah, is there a particular way you would describe it? The main thing I look at is usually what we call the cranial nerve. So it's every nerve that's related. So the ocular motor nerve, optic nerve relate to the eyes. Um, the vagus nerve refers to your whole digestive system, your respiratory system. Um, the hypoglossal nerve, which helps with swallowing and tongue movements and all that. The facial nerve has the branches in through the face. So I actually look at those and say, okay, how can I treat those cranial nerves? Mm. How can I effectively affect that to get the body in a rest digest to increase serotonin levels? Because the cortisol levels are through the roof of a concussion because you're always in a state of stress mm. or a state of fight or flight. So if I can rest that and relax that, how does that look? Gotcha. Because one of the things that you looked at with Phoenix yesterday was the fact that her eyes were slightly tilted, correct? Yeah. I'm butchering the way to describe that, yeah. but yeah. that along those lines? Yeah. So, so the main thing with that is with usually the eyes, you'll have one eye a little smaller on the other side. And that's just because the phenite bone, which is this little winged tool, is on a 45. So with Phoenix last night, her her right side was open, but her left side was closed. So all I did is what we call cranial sacral therapy, where I take my hands and I manipulate that bone to get that bone on, in alignment. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize, all the cranial nerves actually attach into this area and actually come out through these different areas where the, the, the phenite bone is. Mm. So if I treat the phenite bone, it actually helps. Like I'll do a lot of it work with, with the mouth, where I actually have my hands in someone's mouth, and I'm pulling on the teeth. A little TMJ. Little, yeah. And pulling that that way because then that actually loosens up what's inside. And a lot of people have TMJ issues that have concussions and don't even know about it because when you have a concussion, you bite down on your jaw. So the jaw is related with that. But the thing they forget too is a protective mechanism. Most people will lean forward. So that also affects your ankles mm. as well too. So last night with Phoenix, I adjusted her ankles as well too to help release those cranial bones inside as well too. Because it's, it's not a, not just the head and neck, it's actually the position of the feet, the position of the hips, the position of the ankles, they're actually affected with it. It's wild. Um, everything's so connected. It's things you don't necessarily realize as a young athlete growing up. You think, oh, my ankle hurts, treat that. Yeah. But there's a reason your ankle hurts and it might have to do with your knees, your hips, et cetera, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you have client confidentiality, but I'd love to hear if you have specific stories, examples that you'd love to share with our audience around, yeah. you know, where you've been able to transform people, any specific injuries that, you know, obviously concussions are yeah. ever present in sports now. But one of the things I'm curious is like, how else are we progressing and moving forward to allow people like yourself to do the work that you're doing? So one of the, my patients, she's, she's very good with me saying what, what actually happened in her events. So uh, back in 2018, two weeks before the Brazil Olympics, Summer Olympics, she was launched off a horse. So she basically went headfirst, 15 feet in the air. Air vest basically came off and blew up, but she went headfirst right into the ground off the horse, off the, the question writing. So we had two weeks to get her prepared for basically competing at a very high level yeah. to win a medal at the Olympics. 
So, so basically she had everything from a neck injury to a rib injuries to a shoulder injury, but most of it, she couldn't focus or concentrate. So when she was around the horse, she kept falling over to the one side. So the work I did got her there and she was able to compete without any issues. Wow. But a lot of times they don't look at that because the one where she landed on the face, the whole facial nerve was affected, affected her eye, affected her vision and like that. And as a professional athlete, you need to be very focused on what you're doing and how your body mechanics actually work on mm -hmm. the field, because that's a key component of what's going on. But she responded so well that she was able to actually go and perform and she felt great the whole time. Hmm. I had to do a little bit of virtual sessions with her as well, too, while she was there. Okay, the neck flared up or this flared up a little bit. So we did some, okay, stretch the neck this way, move the head that way. Um, okay, let's get some foam rolling out. Let's, let's do this. So I helped her significantly with that work mm -hmm. by doing that. But if we didn't have that sort of relationship or she didn't come to see me when she did, she wouldn't have been able to go and perform and mm -hmm. she would have lost her spot on the team and then one of the replacements would have stepped in. But because of that, she was able to continue on and she was able to actually compete and actually do significantly well. She ended up placing in fifth place there. Wow, it was great. But she wouldn't have done that if we didn't do the, the cranial, the visceral, and all the different stuff that she had out with the shoulder and the ribs as well, too. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen a plethora of injuries. It's probably not a fun thing to see them in their original yeah. state, but it is probably incredible to be able to witness the transformations that you're able to enact yeah. through this. Is, did, is this what you grew up thinking that you were going to be doing? No, I actually thought I was going to be a phys ed teacher. Okay. I always loved the uh, sports. I uh, always loved basically teaching and stuff like that. And I am jumping into massage therapy um, just because I was really good with my hands. I was an artist. I used to draw. I used to paint. So I was like, okay, I'm good with my hands. What can I do? And massage therapy came up mm -hmm. for me like that. So then I went to massage school. And then one of my teachers was an osteopathic um, teacher at a yeah. school. And he used to pick on everybody that walked in saying, okay, You've been in a six car accidents. You've had this surgery, that surgery. You sprain your ankle when you're five year old. You have this condition going on without even getting your history. He just would look at someone every day. I'm like, how did you know how to do that? Yeah. And I need to know how to do that myself so I can help other people. So that was my influence on how to got into the osteo sort of background as well, too. So I went and studied that for the five year course, did that and got my training. And everything was really good in, in, in that sense. So it's all about kind of, I would have gone that route. Mm -hmm. I was actually supposed to go to Texas West A&M on a full uh, scholarship for play professional soccer. Okay. And because I stayed back, because my dad lost his job to put my brothers through school and help keep the household going, then I jumped into massage therapy. Um, it was very interesting how I, I would have been a teacher or maybe something in the medical field, but... I'm not where I am today because of where that, what happened. Well, and you're ultimately still teaching like you were doing last night. Yeah. One of the things I was amazed, you said you were working with your hands, artists previously, the energy work that you were doing as well. Yep. That's something that I was first time I'd witnessed. Can you explain kind of the process that goes into that? Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize everything we touch, everything we do for our hands is energy work. So it's all about intention. But our, our bodies and cells are made up of so much energy around us, we can actually pull the energy around us and through us and actually put it into people. Hmm. 
So I always say, I always picture almost like white light above me and I'm pulling it through my body and then pushing it into my patients to help heal. And, and that can actually improve someone's mood, uh, way someone's feeling, um, if they're depressed, anxious, anything else kind of falling on. Okay. It can really help to kind of build them up and strengthen their, I guess, their soul or their energy that have. Because yeah. I always believe it's, it's not just the body. It's also the mind and spirit we're working on, right? So, and everybody has some sort of energetic form around them, but they're not tapped into that right. at all, too. And it's just over the years, just with working with almost 10,000 patients that have gotten to this point now, mm-hmm. where the, like, I didn't believe in it, didn't understand it at first. Mm-hmm. And now with what I understand and do, it's, I'm actually able to do that more now. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, Brad Norris yeah. mentioned and said, and I quote that you are a savant with the work that you do. Yeah. Uh, having worked with almost 10,000 clients, how do you keep your hands, body working at prime condition? Because obviously you're hitting, uh, your schedule's ridiculous on a daily basis. Yeah. How many clients you're able to see yeah. that's unique on its own. Yeah. You're a high performer on your own. Yeah. I'd love to share so that for people consuming yeah. who are massage therapists who are looking to maybe increase the amount they can see on a daily yeah. basis for you to go through what you're... Yeah. schedule looks like so usually i treat anywhere from 20 to 24 patients a day five days a week um so i can see usually about 100 patients in a, in a five-day week i only work from 10 to 7 so i tell people i'm not doing these hour-long sessions or like overdoing like what typical therapists do they spend an hour or 90 minutes with one person i do the work until the work is done so it could be 15 it could be 20 most of the time it's 30 minutes I spend with them mm-hmm. and then I move on to another person. Uh, then I have clinical assistants that do help me and assist me in the room. So I always say it's like a pit crew. Mm. When we go in, I go in with one of my assistants and the two of us are working on it at the same time. That way we can get quicker results and get things done a lot faster. Okay. The main issue I had when I first started practicing is I used to be a year and a half late for an appointment. Wow. And I was like, this is not working because I see the person one time and I can't do their follow-up from six months for now because there's no space to see them. Mm-hmm. My goal as a therapist for what I personally believe is as many people as I can help and lay my hands on, the more I can do that. So I had to look quite a bit at how can I effectively do that to make the world better. Right. So the way I came up with it is I do a system-based treatment where a lot of it is doing with one-on-one with the person to excel whatever I'm doing. And then my assistant takes over and does the other half. Gotcha. The client is just paying for the time that they see me for. And then the assistant is just doing the work there for free with them just to get whatever is next step. But I train everybody to do what I do in the clinic. So Cairo, physio, naturopathic doctor, all the kinesiologists, we all work together as a team Mm -hmm. in the office instead of like, oh, I'm just going to see this person and go see this. And they do, we don't even talk. Right. Because one of the things that I have a business coach from Australia, Paul Wright, that I've been working with for over 12 years. He's been phenomenal. He said to me one day, if you pass away, what's your practice worth? I said, oh, I got 9,000 patients. It's worth quite a bit. Yeah. And he's like, no, because the whole practice is based off of you. So how can you replace yourself if something happens to you, so your kids? Mm-hmm. So he taught me to look, how can I do what I do, but make it more of a system. So then I call, this is my concussion protocol. This is my better back program. This is my 
shoulder protocol. This is my knee protocol. Right. So everybody in the clinic knows how to do that. So if something happens to me, if I'm in the hospital, if I pass away, my knowledge is still kept and kept growing with the people that work for me, or I have it all on a manual or paper. So then my business is actually worth something right. instead of it. Oh, you gotta go see Sean because he's a magician and you only can see him. It's like, no, you gotta go to Sean's clinic because this is what ABC they do at the office. Mm-hmm. Where most therapists, they develop everything around them. So they're the height and then you only go see that one person. Right. But then that takes the work out because people don't realize they should be seeing everybody or anybody else for that work. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a huge wake up call for me, especially as a single father with three kids. I need to be able to spend more time with my kids. So I don't want to be working in the office all the time. I am off every evening to be home for dinner, for bedtime. I'm home every weekend to spend time with them. So I have that work-life balance, Mm -hmm. but I do a bit of stretching with my hands. I go and see my Cairo once a week. I see my massage therapist every two weeks. I go see my osteopath once a month. So I make sure I look after my body so I'm 100% so I can see other people. Right. No, it's uh, fascinating. And I can't wait for us to get up to Keswick to be able to go see your facility in person go tour around, get that multidisciplinary approach. Yeah. Uh, the way we wrap up every episode, Sean, is we ask our guests what their biggest piece of advice would be yeah. for the next generation of athletes. And someone who's impacted 9,000 human beings positively, yeah. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are there for that next gen. So for the next gen, I always say the mental aspect is huge. So the mind, if I always, as an athlete, pictured everything I would do before I went and performed. And I always found that always enhance my performance but also too is making sure that you get self-care get stretched out go for your massages go for your osteo work get your chiropractic touches keep your body like a fine-tuned machine up to where it should be because if you're not getting looked at then these injuries creep up on you and they affect your performance Mm -hmm. a lot of the work i do i know increases like with my swimmers increases 15 milliseconds off their time Mm -hmm. so we want to get that so it, they keep going, their bodies can work so well together. And I find that's a big part of an athlete. You have to be mind, body, and spirit connected as one. And also do something for yourself. So step out of it, do some of your friends, do some of your family, something that makes you happy as well too. Because we get so tuned into training, 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 or got to perform that we forget about sometimes we need to fill our soul with something else other than that sport. So I always find that's very important. Above that, uh, finding else something outside of your sport, getting checked out. Uh, yeah. We'll have more conversations to come. Yeah. Sean Michael, I really appreciate your time. No, Thank thanks you so much. Thanks for having me. What you're doing here is incredible, and uh, I can't wait again to come up to Keswick, see everything in person, and hopefully get some work done. And I know Phoenix is going to be providing some testimonials on yeah. how she feels, but uh, the more people you impact uh, positively, we hope to share that message on the Athletes Podcast. No, thank you. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into the 195th episode. It means the world to me that you guys listened, watched, have hit that subscribe button. There's hundreds of thousands of you that are watching, and there's only a small percentage of you that are actually subscribed. So if you could do me a favor, you know our athlete agreement. All you got to do is hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple, or watching on YouTube. It means the world to us. It means the world to our producer, Phoenix, who's literally holding up this light right now to make me look good. And it means the world to me, David Stark, your host. Big shout out goes to Sean Michael for coming on the show, sharing a bit of his knowledge. We can't wait to visit his facility in Keswick to go a bit deeper and learn a bit more about what he's doing 
meet all the other incredible practitioners that are at his facility and ultimately hopefully help you folks live a better, healthier life. This is the 195th episode of the Athletes Podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye.